0: That um what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. You ever heard that quote? So, as Christians, what should our lives look like? See, Paul's going to address that question today. Now, now let me check it another way, another introduction. Okay? You get two for the price of one today. All right. Some of the best game plans, if you've ever played sports, if you ever been a coach, I got one in the house, got another here. I got several in the house. Go out the window if the players don't execute. Okay, all right. Now I'm not blaming players, as we have we make mistakes too. Lord knows I made a bunch of them as a coach for twenty some odd years. Uh, some of the ones I can remember um, uh, that we were playing at Madison, and this was between our between my two state teams, and they arguably may have been a little bit better than the teams who went to state. They were really really good. We played at Madison, and we had a lead, and my guys kept throwing the long pass. You know, they they pressed us, and we're trying to throw a long pass. You, that's a no-no in basketball when you're when they're pressing because they they want you to do that. Okay, they want they're going to intercept it. and Call time out. I said, listen, guys, stop making long pass. Let's set up in a stack. Okay, let's you know you screen. You know, the whole thing. You know, stop throwing the long pass. Okay. They scored another four or five points on us. You know, we had like a 12, 10, 12 point lead with a couple of minutes left. You know, and once again, timeout. Listen, stop throwing the long pass. Okay, stop. Well, turns out we we end up we had a chance to win, but we missed two free throws. We we're, we're, had a two point lead, missed two free throws, um, and then they come down and they had a guy who probably never made a three point shot in his life. Uh, uh, hit a hit, shoot shoot a shot, um, and it went around all the way around and went in uh and then and there's like two seconds left I tried to call time out, and the mattis and the referees just walked off the court, still mad about that, but anyway, we still have time left, but anyway, my point was like uh fans were mad at uh, at me, you know why'd you have them do that I'm, i didn't i did i why do you think we called time out for i didn't tell them to make that pat anyway so but if you if you don't execute um you know what what's what the plan is. We know what's what's going to happen. And so what does that have to do with this? Well, what we've talked about uh, for weeks now, this is what, week 19? Okay. Um, For 18 weeks, we've been talking about the plan. All right. We've been talking about the game plan. Okay. The next, however long it's going to take us to finish, 15 15 to 20 weeks, whatever it may be, uh, bless your patience, all right, Um, it's going to be putting putting that game plan in action. Does that make sense? Okay, so we we this execution. So we're in the execution part. Another way, another way to say that is, um, you know, in, in especially in um, in the next sixteen verses, like he definitely it definitely turns um, uh, the the exhortation based upon the truths he has been teaching. All right, uh, he he turns to that part. Um, it's a common format of Paul's letters in which doctrinal truths are stated first, and then application to life is built on that doctrine. Okay. So another way to say it, uh, basically we're going from the church's belief statement from, uh, to the church's mission statement. Okay, is that another way? You're kind of getting it. All right. And that brings us back to the original point, how we live our lives as Christians. Okay. A question I will come back to a few times today is this. Is your walk worthy? And, and, and I want to say thank you to, to Sally, again, Mr Dolores, always. Um, you know, we had some technical difficulties today, and, and uh, Miss Rwanda's not here, so, you know, y'all bear with, uh, with her. Right, uh, I'm sure she'll do great, but just, just to uh, uh, let you guys know that. And so our central statement today uh, is this. A worthy walk is characterized by humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, love, Striving for unity and peacemaking. All right. And so that's our, and that's a long one. And so that's going to be up there several times. I get sometimes uh, Sally will tell me I don't leave that up there long enough uh, for those who are writing to write it down. I apologize. All right? uh, but it will be up there a couple of times. Okay. Uh, and so we're going to look at the worthy walk. Okay. And then we're going to look at point two humility, gentleness, patience, uh, forbearance, and love. And then point three striving for unity and peacemaking. Okay, so that's, uh, that's where we're headed uh, today. So, first verse in chapter 4. Paul says, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Okay, so this, this verse um, will serve as a topic sentence, not just for this verse, okay, but the whole second half of this letter. This is like the topic sentence. You know, y'all remember how you, do, how you used to have to do that, right, Ethan, in my class? Okay, all right. And and this is the topic sentence. All right, living a life that's a walk worthy of the calling you have received. And, and then once again, he reminds his readers that he's a prisoner. He's like, hey, don't forget about the fact I'm doing this right now. I'm not just saying one thing and doing another, okay. Um, he is literally in prison right now, okay, um, for his faith in God. So he's like, hey, all right. I'm practicing what I'm preaching. Okay, so listen, listen to me. All right. So you have you may have heard the, uh, another quote. I asked you about a quote earlier today. Maybe you heard of this one. It makes no difference what you believe, just as long as you live right. You ever heard of that one? Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that before. Thing is, it it does matter what you believe. All right. It does matter what you believe because what you believe should determine how you live. And and if what you believe does not determine how you believe, you might want to question. What you believe? Does that make any sense? There, chasing all, going all around the place. Okay. See, it's it's a shame that Christians don't walk in a worthy manner compared to non-Christians. I mean, I met some. Gosh, I met some some Mormons that are really nice people. Okay. I mean, I'm so so. We we need to be careful there. Okay. And I I know that that we're still sinners, uh, but this matters. It really, really matters. And so the first thing, and I think it's going to be up here, Sally, worthy walk. If you take notes, a little sub points under this one is worthy walk. The verb walk in the New Testament letters does not refer to what I do a lot. I'm trying to not do as much during uh, during the sermon, okay? Uh, It's not just take a walk in the park or outside, but it refers to the conduct of one's life. That's what that word means—the conduct of one's life. Uh, and by the way, I got—I want to be very, very clear. As I was, you know, preparing this and, and this morning and, and praying, um, I just, you know, it felt like God—you really wanted me to to uh, to stress this—is that we don't walk worthy so that God will love us, but because He does love us. Okay, we we don't we don't walk worthy to try to gain salvation. Okay, if you've given if you've accepted the finished work of Jesus on the cross in your place, you you have a relationship with Jesus. Now, how do we live our lives to 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 honor and glorify him? How do we live a worthy life for that? Not to not to gain salvation, because trust me, for someone who knows who tried for a long time in his life, it's never going to happen. No matter how hard you try, you're always going to fail at that. Okay, so uh, the the idea here again is that we want to live and to walk a worthy, to live worthy lives because He loves us, okay? I just want to be very, very clear on that. Again, I'm going to go a little bit further on that. We're talking about people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This isn't about earning salvation, okay? Uh, It's about living a life that reflects Christ for His glory because He loves us so much, Amen. 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 Right, so Colossians 1.10, listen to what he says to another uh, church in Colossians He says, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. It's interesting, you, know, you know, Paul says a lot of the same things in, in, in different places all right, uh, to different people. So that you may walk, walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. See, right there, according to that verse, it says we should bear fruit. I mean I'm not I'm not a great gardener or, or anything like that but you know uh you know an apple tree because you see apples. Okay? Uh the orange tree in my grandma's yard has oranges on it. Satsuma oranges. Okay, they're good. All right? Uh but you don't see oranges on the apple tree. That would be weird it's not possible, okay? All right? So as Christians we should we should bear fruit, All right, To others. First Thessalonians 2, verse 12 says we encouraged, we comforted and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and, and glory. And it's talking about we as Christians, we encourage others, and that's what we do in church. You know, we're not again, I say it all the time, we're not we're never meant to live this life alone and do it on our own, but to do it and, and helping one another like we did the other night. That was a church in action. We might not have been in the in, in the building, but the church was in action Thursday morning or Thursday night, Friday morning. Okay as we try to help and, and encourage other people, but do we encourage and comfort and implore each other to walk worthy of God? When's the last time that you've done that? We have a future home in glory. Let us, let's make our Heavenly Father proud. Amen. Philippians 1, verse 27, another scripture that I, that I think goes with this, is just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or, or i am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. How many former teachers do we have in here? How many teachers or current or current or former, right? We I think all of us will, will tell you that we wanted our student, we want our students to behave, wanted or want our students to behave better when we weren't there than when we were there for our sub. You better treat that sub right. We may even threaten them even. <laughs> right? Because it mattered to us, we wanted our our students to to uh, to do good when we weren't there. Well, Paul kind of says he's I, you know so when I hear about you, I want to hear that you're standing firm, that you're in one accord, and you're continuing together for the faith. I want to hear that about you. I'm leaving you alone, but I want to hear I want to hear that, those things about you, right? Because he wanted to hear good things. First Peter one verses fifteen and sixteen. And this is even it goes even deeper. It says but as the one who called you is holy. You also are to be holy in all your conduct. Pooh, that's a... We're not, gonna, we're not perfect, okay? but boy, we can try. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Right, again, the striving to, to be holy. Our lives should be characterized by holiness. And then 1 John 1, 1.7 says, If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Do we walk in the light? Do we do we walk in the light? So, my heart was broken just the other day as as I realized that. And, and you know, I gotta say a side note. It sure is, you know, great to have a a wife who challenges me spiritually. You know, and that's one of the things that that I I share in counseling is you know you you know if you want to be as a man you should be the spiritual leader of your home. All right, and boy, I've had to work pretty hard to do that because I have a, a a woman back there who will keep me on my Toes and my p's and q's and all that and, and i'm really thankful for that and and she doesn't know that sometimes she does step on my toes she's just being honest And uh, i was telling her story friday about how i was um i was pretty sarcastic to a young man yeah um and, and i have been very frustrated lately at, at school just being honest in my other job been very very frustrated with with discipline and, and just uh, really really struggling you know uh with, with discouragement and um you know uh, I, and so i just want to you know i had to just pray god do you want me to continue this fight or what because man you know sometimes i mean i i and some of y'all may f- i feel like my kindness is, is I, I i give kindness and patience to hear and i'm like i don't have any more left you know because i'm just human and <laughs> miss don i'm sure you never feel that way right all right never all right but i i said something pretty pretty sarcastic young man he, he wasn't moving i'm like you need to you need to move and you know, he said, "What does that mean?" I said, "What well, it means, you need to need to move." You know, well, I don't have any energy. You know, well, should we go get a a, a um, wheelchair and wheel you to the next class? He was like, "Well, I said, well, since you don't have any energy, I guess we need to push you around to your classes today." Um, I didn't have to be that way. That was pretty sarcastic, you know, and and uh, and at the time it felt good to say it. Not gonna lie. All right. But um, but then I told Sally about it, and I think she might have chuck- she might have chuckled at first, and she said, "Patrick, you need to you need to remind yourself that you are, you have a dual obligation. You're not just a teacher; you're a pastor, and you need to be careful what what you say." And I was like, "Oh me!" and said, "Amen," you know. And she was exactly right. I, I'm not I'm I'm your pastor, but I'm far from perfect. I just gave you ex- Exhibit A on that. Okay. And I, I let my frustration and anger come out and I speak sometimes uh you know before I before I think. Well and uh you know, it it's important again because they watch everything you do as a teacher and then they're watching you. They know you're a Christian, they watch you at your job. They're watching everything. Amen. It reminds me of this uh this story about a, a man who was passing out gospel tracks, tracts. T R A C T S little Gospel tracts. And whenever someone who could neither read nor write was handed one, he said, what is this? Whenever he was told it was a tract, he replied, well, I can't read it, so I'll watch your tracts. How many people are watching your tracts? Calling. The word calling, I want to get to that next. This calling, this is a little sub-point here, refers to the Holy Spirit's prompting that caused you to believe. When you first gave your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit had to draw you to Him. Okay. I told you about my situation. I could. I was. I was drinking alcohol in a in a bar when God was like, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? I, could, I couldn't. I couldn't drink to get away from him, you know. And, and feeling that that prompting of the Spirit. That's what He's talking about there. The prompting that calls you to believe. Because we're going to look at uh, so a different thing in a couple of weeks. You know, we're going to look at some gifts that that God, the spiritual gift that God, uh, gives us. You know, that's a that's a different thing there. All right. But Paul was urging his readers to live a life that conforms. To their saved status before God—that's what, what He's, referring to. Romans eight twenty-eight, one of the best verses as far as uh, calling to me is this. And when you may have that you can probably quote this one. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Right? We were called according to His purpose, and and here we go again—not to our our purpose, but according to His purpose. And that's one of the problems right there. That's one of the rubs, and because uh, too many of us live our lives for our purpose. Amen our purpose. We want what we want. It reminds me of a quote that I've, I've, uh, I've said many times here, I believe, uh, in, in behind the pulpit here, uh, where C.S. Lewis says, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased." Amen or oh me? There's some strong words by C.S. Lewis. I don't know about you guys, but who in here would choose making mud pies in the poorest part of the area you live in rather than going to the beach? I know the beach can be kind of tough sometimes too, but still, I don't want to ruin the comparison there. We busy ourselves with so many pursuits that ultimately do not matter in the long run. See, to, to Paul, this matters And I know Coach Chris can agree with me on this, but I talk about coaching a varsity sport. I wanted it to be very, very well known that it was a privilege to be on varsity. Right, Coach? It's a privilege. It's not your right. It's a privilege. Act like it. Act like it. It matters. The way you live your life matters. You're on varsity, so act like you're on varsity. Right, Ethan? Right? Act like it. See, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ that should be taken seriously. Act like it matters, church. Me too. I'm part of it. You know, it preaches to me first. Act like it matters. Is your walk worthy? See, I. You know, I know some. Are any, any bargain hunters in the house? You know, like like looking for stuff. Anybody that like go to uh, y'all like going to flea markets or anything like that? You, you know, to stuff. So, my my uh both of my brothers in law, okay, Wesley and Bruce, like you go with them, you're gonna have some fun. If you ever go I, I have gone in a while with them, but they are funny. All right. They're gonna do you down on everything. All right. They 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 gonna get it whatever they want. Okay, some of y'all are looking at each other like y'all like your husband or your wife does that already. But anyway, um one time I went with uh with, with Wesley in, in Daytona and I got a charcoal grill, a whole charcoal grill for five dollars. Right? It's one of the best investments I've ever I've, I've ever made. Right, I still use it. That was like six, seven years ago. I still use it. It's awesome. All right? I went I went to the Repeat Boutique uh, about two weeks ago. Got some shoes. Got oh, I can't remember the name of them. Rockport or something. I never had any Rockports so because they're you know, too expensive. I, you know. But, uh, man, I found some that fit me. For, uh, some brown ones fit me $5 at Repeat Boutique. Wore them last week. I'm probably going to wear them next week at church. All right? Preaching in them. $5 shoes. Y'all probably thought I spent $100 on it. I spent $5. bucks. All right? But and, my. But but most of the time, most of the time, those, there are some deals, okay? And some of y'all are really good at it. But my point is, and I went around like this to get here. But anyway, my point is, most of the time, you get what you pay for. Most of the time, okay? You get what you pay for. Because you you, you pay uh, for something, you know, based on its, its worth. It's worth this, and you pay this, right? Is your calling... Worth something to you? Or do you treat it like it's worth very little, like it's a cheap pair of knockoff shoes or something? Or is it your entire reason for existing? I pray that it would be mine. To the next two points, we'll examine detailed characteristics now of this worthy walk. And see, again, the. if you're taking notes, maybe we'll leave it up there in a little bit so you can write the whole thing down. But a worthy walk is characterized by humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, love, striving for unity, and peacemaking. Now, we might not get out of here at 12 today. I meant 11, sorry. That was, a, that was a slip. Just playing. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. We will go through these a little bit quicker because we're not going to treat it completely like a Bible study, but I do want to to address each of these characteristics, okay? And for each one, I want you to ask yourself, is my walk in this area worthy? I want you to really examine it, really ask yourself how you do in these areas, okay? All right, that's That's what I'm asking as a pastor, and I've already asked myself this as well. So the first thing, the first word is humility." And notice it says, "With all humility." or the NIV says, "Be completely humble, not, not just a little bit of hum- humility, just you know com- you know all of it. Okay? You, know, I, you know I always have that song in my head, oh Lord, it's so hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. But that that's, that's, doesn't go with my point. So I just thought I would share that just because I like the song. But anyway, definitely don't mean it by me at all. But humility was regarded. This is what's interesting. I love the fact. I love these little details. And so at this, this point in time, to the, to the people in Ephesus, what you need to understand is um, being, being humble, humility was really distasteful for them. What? No. Like they looked down upon that quality. Okay, it it was uh, they definitely preferred pride to humility. All right, this background, these people that Paul was addressing. Okay, all right. Now it's a, you know it's looked on a little more favorably these days, I think. Hopefully it is. All right, but back then it would be like, oh, humility? Are you are you kidding me, Paul? No, I ain't doing that. All right, you know it was completely looked down upon. And Mark Roberts, a theologian, said that it was striking striking that the very first way we live out our calling. Is by doing something the Gentiles scorned. Interesting. That's a sermon for another time. I I, I can feel there. And so then another verse that goes with this is this, uh, Philippians 2 verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. We preached on that last year when we went through the book of Philippians. I sure do think it would be great to see more humility in our world today, wouldn't you? Makes the world a whole lot better place. And someone has said, humility is that grace that when you know you have it, you've lost it. When you th- when you know you have it, you, you lost it. You don't really have it anymore. All right. Reminds me of a story. I love this story. It says um, this was in Edinburgh uh, years and years ago. Very fashionable church, very prestigious church, and they wanted somebody to preach that Sunday. And so the seminary, all right, sent out to them a very fine young man who was very brilliant in the classroom um, at school. He had never had any experience, but he was filled with pride at ministering in the great church. I want to preach at Edinburgh in this church. So when he got up before that group of people, he was struck with stage fright. He forgot everything he ever knew. He, he, he had memorized a sermon, but he forgot it. He, he, he stumbled through it, and he left the pulpit in humiliation. He head was down very humiliated because he knew how miserably he had failed a dear little scottish lady went up to him afterwards and said young man i was watching you this morning and i'd like to say to you that if you had gone up into that pulpit like you came down out of that pulpit then you would have come down out of that pulpit like you went up into that pulpit He had gone up with pride, but he had come down with lowliness and meekness. That'll preach. Amen. Colossians 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. First Peter 3, 8 says, Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, and be compassionate and humble. And see, what, what this is leading to is, is to unity. We're going to see that next week. The whole next, you want, I'm going to tell you that in just a few moments as well, that uh, unity is where he's going with this. And, and one thing I'm sure that you all know from uh, being in church and your experience with churches is that pride can sure cause a lot of problems in a church. Okay, Pride can. So humility is very important. And pride can not only destroy churches, it can destroy teams and businesses and any, anything like that. And ultimately, when we talk about humility, see, that was a character of Jesus. Matthew 11, verse 29, Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Lowly and humble in heart. Is your walk in humility worthy? Next, we have gentleness. Uh, in the King James Version, it says meekness. You know, this is a, a, an oft misunderstood um, trait. As people think that means like uh, people in the world, outside of church, if they've never heard, heard this, they'll, they'll think, oh, that just means somebody who's a pushover. Nah, uh-uh. not what it means. Not what it means at all. Not even close. This is not somebody who's bashful when, you know, gets run over. This is strength under control. Strength under control. In the Greek language, this word was used for a cult that had been broken. Or uh, soothing medicine or a soft wind. In each case, you have power, but the power is under control. Amen? And as far as we know, and and, as far as the study that I've done here, um, there's only two men in the Bible that were described as having gentleness. As part of their description. Moses, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. I'm not going to read it. And Jesus, in Matthew 11, verse 29, which we just read a few minutes ago. Moses and Jesus. Those are some pretty strong guys right there. Okay. All right. Um, and so uh, it's also the fruit of your spirit. The fruit of the spirit. Is your walk in gentleness worthy? Is your walk in gentleness worthy? Next we have patience. Uh, King James Version says, long-suffering, another fruit of the spirit, and one that we have a hard time with, especially as teachers sometimes. You know, uh, I've always heard it said that uh, don't pray for patience because you're going to get some persecution. That's going to make you, require you to have patience through the persecution, right? That's true. It's something I develop more and more of, and I don't really know why, but I mean, I can just remember, uh, and it does not like a reflection of, of Sally. I'm not talking about Sally in any way, but I just know that when I got married, and again, and not meaning for, and not I'm not trying to make it a joke at all, I'm really not, but I, that's when I can remember in my life that I had more patience than I did before. And I don't really know why. I, I can remember being a teacher and coach before that, like pre-Sally. who boy. I didn't have a whole lot of patience. I mean, I go off. You know, and and, and uh, I wasn't the nicest one all the time, you <laughs> know, nicest person all the time. But, man, I just really felt like at that point I did a lot better. But I'm still working on it. God's still working on me, right? I'm not going to sing. I want you all to stay around. The exhortation to be patient assumes that our, by the way, this it assumes that our fellow Christians need patience from us as much as, as well as we need it from them. So don't, don't put it on this side. Oh, yeah, i got to have patience with those people. Because they might be like, well, I, I need patience with that one. Okay, So patience. Colossians 1 verse 11 says, Be in strength with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience joyfully. Have it joyfully. First Thessalonians 5.14 says, And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone, not just the people you hang out with, but with everyone. Is your walk in patience worthy? And that leads to the next one because this is bearing with one another or forbearance. Um, and see, this one is, is, forbearance is how we show patience. Okay, they're connected. All right, so forbearance is how we show that patience. We show patience by bearing with one another. All right, does that make sense? So Colossians three thirteen says, bearing with one another, bearing one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. I, I saw it just yesterday. A guy, a a, a a pastor said, "Man, wouldn't it be great if we could just kind of just overlook the little things that people do to us in church?" Rather than holding in, we just kind of overlook it and just give them a pass. We just give them a pass and just be forgiven rather than holding grudges, right? The implication, by the way, again, the implication behind this is is that we're dealing with difficult church members, which I, we don't we know nothing about here, right? Amen? All right? Because we're all perfect. <laughs> all right? This, y'all know I'm playing there, but the point is, is everyone you come in contact with, even at church, always easy to get along with? See, so there's there's some people you naturally get along with, you know. I, I I've gotten along with Mr. Jim since so the first day I met him. We love the Red Sox. We have you know, it was like kindred spirits. We 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 I I jive with him, you know. Some people we have to work on it a little bit more. Right, like Ethan. I'm just playing. All right, you know that's not true because you know I love him, man. I mean, uh, the same word, by the way, endure is used to describe Paul when he's facing persecution. In First Corinthians 4, 12, it says, We labor, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. That's the same word. It's dealing with forbearance. It's not easy. Okay? It's not easy. Is your walk in forbearance worthy? Love. The next one. The phrase, in love, gives the motivation for patiently bearing with a difficult fellow church member. And it's the, the sum of all virtues. It's the crown and the sum. Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians 13. It's not up there, Sally. It's not up there, but let me read it to you. Uh, so I don't want you to be confused. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. is not boastful. Is not arrogant is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Skip down to verse 13. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Let's go back just a couple of chapters ago. It says, For He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before Him. In love. Romans 5, verse 5 says, This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us. Is your walk in love worthy? And so hum- humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, and love will be essential if unity is to be maintained, which brings us to the last point. And again, I apologize. Y'all, some y'all tell me not to apologize, but I'm going a little bit over today, but we'll, we'll wrap it up soon. I can't help it. Ephesians 4, verse 3 Last point, making every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. Making every effort. Not just making some effort. Not making a lot of effort. Making every effort. The New American Standard says being diligent. Being diligent. The, another translation says to take pains. To take pains. Whew. Okay, that speaks right there. And I like this idea because it shows that work is involved and that it might not be easy sometimes. And we know that's true. It's not always easy to have unity among different people, but it is possible. I, the, another basketball example, the, the, heart, the time my guys uh, argued and fussed and disagreed the most was when they had to pick out what shoes, what team shoes they were going to have. I don't know if you ever had that problem, Coach, Chris. Oh, my goodness, man. I would tell them, literally, I would tell them, y'all figure it out, I'm leaving the room. Okay, because I, I I knew some of them get so mad they might they might let out a little cuss word or something I don't want to hear it makes them run for it so I just walk out okay so I said y'all y'all deal with it okay I'm gonna leave all right I'm gonna go to the gym when you figure it out all right let's let's continue practicing okay because y'all are gonna wear the same shoes all right unity so anyway but boy they didn't like that man I want Adidas I want Nike I know it's kind of a funny point but I think you get the the obvious connection to church. We never do that in church. The color of the carpet never matters. Ooh, don't preach, Brother Patrick. Do we make every effort? We see a great example of unity and the picture of what the church can be. I, I look at this as like the perfect church almost in the way, although these were imperfect people. They weren't, they weren't like, they weren't, Jesus's, okay? These are just regular people. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, and we can read it be on the screen. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Look at what these people, these are the first Christians, okay, uh, at Pentecost, and and, and and this is what happened to them. It says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the, through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and held all things in common they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and what happened every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved as we, when we walk worthy this is, what, this is the outcome don't tell me it can't happen now don't tell me that. I refuse to believe it. Okay, because I have faith in God. The last point, and we finally kind of wrap up here, unity of the spirit. And we're going to look more at this next week. The whole the whole sermon will be about that. Okay, and so I may you may hear something repeated, but I sincerely believe that unity is the core of any team sport. Okay, right? Would you agree with that, Coach? Unity. The teams of mine. And I had some teams that were more talented than other teams, but the teams of mine that were most unified were the most successful. Right? It doesn't mean that you have to get along with everybody. It, it wasn't that, uh, but they were able to put aside their differences for the good of the team. Okay. Although I do think they should get along together too. I always try to get, get them to hang out, you know, come over to the house or do this together. To try to. Do, I might not have been great at some things, right, but I thought I was decent at that. at at, at building unity. And it was one of my favorite things. I don't know about you all who are coaches, but that's one of my things I missed the most about coaching was seeing a a team come together. I was like, wow, and thinking I had a little bit of part in it. You know, to have people work together. And I want you to notice in that verse, okay, that it says keep the unity, okay? Making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. It doesn't say uh, make every effort to create unity. Okay, I need to uh, be clear on that. The unity was already there by the fact that they were now believers in Christ. They have that in common. Okay, They didn't create it. All right? The exhortation is to preserve the unity that already existed because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. You, you probably felt that, but we probably gone somewhere shopping and somebody come up to you and says, you're a Christian, aren't you? I just tell by your spirit that you have a relationship with Christ. I don't know if that's ever happened. This happened... Uh, to me, You know, people just, you know, they, they, they know. It's interesting. And we must, we must do this, by the way, as far as preserving unity, by relying on the Spirit instead of ourselves, by the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this on our own. We are flesh and blood, and we sin. First Corinthians 8, verse 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from Him, and we exist for Him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through Him, and we exist through Him. We're going to probably hear that scripture again next week. First Corinthians 12, verse 13, and a couple of chapters later says, For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. This idea of unity was of such important importance that it was the last thing Jesus prayed for on earth. Did you know you prayed? You know you read that today? That's what you read today. It's okay, so on the screen again. The core reading was Jesus' last prayer on earth and we're not gonna read it again uh to uh, at this point, but his last prayer on earth was for his, his, the believers to be unified. You think maybe he knew something about that? And that it would be hard? Hmm? So strive for it. Is your walk in making effort to keep unity worthy? And the last one, and I apologize, I said that last one was the last one. You're like, Are you ever gonna get done, Pastor? I am, I promise. Okay, just my mistake. Bond of peace is a a bond of peace, and then we have peacemaking kind of go together here, okay? The word bond, by the way, means bound as a prisoner in chains. Bound as a prisoner in chains of peace. Bound together of peace. Interesting word choice here because um, chains were often used to restrain violence, to, to keep something held down, right? Yet Paul knew that peace in the Christian community is necessary. For unity he says in Colossians three fourteen and 15 above all put on love which is the perfect bond of unity bond again and let the peace of Christ to which you are also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful peacemaking and the only thing I really want to say about that that's real short actually is that Ephesus at this time was not necessarily a harmonious unified city if you do the background there, you'll see that there had been a long-standing rivalry be, rivalries between Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum all close together. They didn't know much about, about keeping peace. They did know about fighting. They didn't know much about peace. No. Yeah. So for them to hear this, they'd be like, whoa, wait, really? Oh, man, i got to work on that. So is your walk in making peace worthy? So I asked Sally to come up and Mr. Loris to come up. Again, you can see what a worthy walk looks like. And I want you to ask yourself, how are you doing? Take, take some spiritual inventory there as you look at uh, the, the main words in black there after the word worthy. How are we doing? How are we doing? How, how are we doing in our walk? Is our walk worthy in humility, in gentleness, patience, forbearance, love, striving for unity, and peacemaking? How are we doing? And, and if, if you're struggling in that area, all you got to do is go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Right? You can do that from where you are. You can do that here from, from the, you know, come down to the front. It doesn't matter. Right? And, and again, the idea here, I want to go back to this as we close today. This whole sermon was about, was speaking to those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't, we don't walk a worthy life to gain salvation. Okay? So if that's you and you're like, man, I'll never live up to that and I don't know what He's talking about, then I want you to know that Jesus died in your place. He he, he lived the life that you should have lived. He died the death that you should have died. It's a matter of accepting what Jesus did on the cross for you and applying it to God I accept the finished work on the cross that Jesus did for me. I I claim that for myself and I believe that you are God's Son, that you died on the cross that you raised from the dead. I believe in that. I want you to be my Lord and my salvation. And so, if you need to make that decision, come see me. All right. As we, as Miss Sally comes and leads us, who I went long today, guys.